0: verse number 1 in Matthew chapter 2 it says now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea I want to stop right there because there's two Bethlehems in the Old Testament it was prophesied you don't have to turn there but Micah 5 2 says but thou Bethlehem Ephrata that's the Bethlehem we're talking about though thou be little among the thousands of Judah Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. That's a prophecy from the Old Testament pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ to a very specific Bethlehem that he will be born in. It's the same Bethlehem where David was born. In Luke 2, 4, it says this, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So in your mind, get, get in your mind, you've got two Bethlehems. Jesus was born in Bethlehem Ephrata, and it's referred to as city of David, Luke chapter 2. It's also referred to what we see in Matthew chapter 2. Look at verse number 6. And thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah. See that? You've got three different ways this specific Bethlehem is titled in our Bible. Bethlehem Ephrata, the city of David, and also in, 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 in verse number six, in the land of Judah. You don't have to turn there, but in Genesis 35, it says, And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephraim, which is Bethlehem. So on her way, Rachel was on her way to Bethlehem. We're going to talk a little bit more about this tonight. And that is called Ephraim. That's four different ways it's titled in our Bible. It's the birthplace of Jesus Christ, Bethlehem Ephrata. It's referenced as the city of David in Luke 2. It's referenced as Judah and Matthew 2. It's referenced in Genesis 35 as Ephraim. They're all the same place, just referenced in different ways. The other Bethlehem is in the North Territory of Zebulon, and that's known as the Bethlehem of Galilee. They are two separate and distinct towns. The The prophet Micah gives us the very specific town where Jesus was born. Okay, so we got that. Now, next part, look at this. It says, In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, I want you to look down at your Bible, because when you see in verse number one, Herod the king, notice that the K is a lower case K. Look at verse number two, where it says, He that is born king of the Jews. You want to make sure you look down at verse number two. You want to make sure your Bible has a capital K for King Jesus. Why is that important? In manuscripts, you have two basic types of manuscripts. You have majuscules, which come in two different forms. Block form, all capital letters, or rounded form, all capital letters. That's called a majuscule uncial. They come in all capitals. You have what now you have a minuscule. That is the vast majority of manuscripts and they are lowercase. So what do you do when you're translating? It's not like you have a complete Bible when you collect these. You don't have a complete Bible in all minuscules. You're gathering manuscripts and you're putting them together and you have some all capital letter ones and you have some all lowercase ones. So why is that important? Well, that's important because. Translators are given liberty as to what to capitalize and what not to capitalize. Now, let me ask you a question. If you as a translator and as a born-again believer were given the task to translate, who would you give the capital K to? I'd give it to King Jesus. I'm sure you would agree, too. I'd give the lowercase k to Herod. You know what the ESV does? Gives Jesus the lowercase K. You know what the NIV does? Gives Jesus the lowercase K and gives Herod the capital K. You say, My Bible don't have it right. Well, grab a King James Bible on your way out, we'd be glad to give we'd be glad to gift you one. <laughs> you want to make sure you've got the right Bible that's got the K's when given liberty, give the preeminence to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let's keep reading. verse. Well, okay, we're still in verse number one. Behold, there came three kings from Orient R. <laughs> but it, it doesn't say that. That's what the song says. There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. And there's no mention of them being three in number either. And they weren't Orientals. Well, they came from the east. China's 4,000 miles east. <laughs> you couldn't make the trip by foot, by donkey, by camel, or by train, or by car. You couldn't make the trip. We'll say that's the, the Orient, that's just the term that they use for Europe. That's, that's north. I'm telling you, you gotta filter these songs through the Bible. You can't just take them at face value because they got a nice melody to them. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 2. The Bible says, saying. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now we're going to park here for this Bethlehem's star because it's important. And I want you to try to take away something to chew on this morning. Go to Genesis chapter number one. And then on the other hand, get Job 38. Genesis chapter number 1 and Job chapter number 38. Keep your finger in Job 38. We're going to go to Genesis 1 first. Watch what it says in Genesis 1 verse number 3. Everybody's up to speed. This is the creation account. And God said, let there be light and there was light. Look at verse 6. God said, let there be A firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. What's God doing? He's creating. Look at verse number nine. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. He didn't call the planet earth. You know what he called Earth? The dry land. So these people trying to come up with different renderings of what the planet Earth looks like. That you can't. The Messiah isn't figured out by a meme of verses taken out of its contextual uh, of its context. What does God call the Earth? Dry land. That would mean the Earth is not. Well, keep reading. And the gathering together of the waters called he seas and God said that it was good. Why is that important? That's going to be important because we're going to go to Job 38 in a minute. But what do you've got? You have seas that were created by God that he doesn't call the earth. He calls the dry land what? Earth. He calls the seas that he created those waters. He calls what? The seas. He separates them out. Now, we're going to come back to that when we get to Job. But we'll go down to verse number 14. Hark the herald angels sing. We're going somewhere with these angels. Verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven. to Divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven. To give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. Praise God, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Watch how the verse ends after the semicolon. And he made the stars also. It's kind of like God is this great painter adding this as a, and by the way, I made some stars also. It takes 16 verses of scripture until we get to God making the stars. Now hold that thought. Hold that thought. Go to Job 38. Go to Job 38. Job 38. Look at verse 4 in Job 38. Bible says, where Was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Well, I've got some understanding of the earth. It's called the dry land. You know what it has? Foundations. That's what the earth has. Look at verse 5. Who has laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? The earth, the dry land is fastened. How is it fastened? There's rock underneath it. That's how it's fastened. Go do some digging in Tennessee. You'll find out real quick. You're going to hit rock at some point. Who laid the, watch in verse six, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Where's God taking Job back to? The creation account, Right? In the creation account, when did God say he created the stars? Verse number 16. Watch the next verse in Job 38. Verse 7, Job 38, 7. When the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for joy. Well, wait a minute. I thought God didn't make the stars till verse 16. But Job 38 tells me, during the creation account, stars are singing, angels are singing and giving praise to God. Now, how do you explain that? Well, we're going to try to this morning. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted, joy. Now, when you look up in the sky, you know what you're going to see? Some planetary sun bursted objects. And you're going to say they're little suns, they're stars. If you were to go to Hollywood, California, and you would take a walk on their walk of fame, you would look down, and you know what you would see? Pictures of stars. And then within that star you would have a person's name, right? And they, they, got, all, they got all the idols that they want to uh, pay tribute to. What are those stars in reference to? People. This is why we have movie stars. This is why we have sports stars. This is why we have Broadway stars. Hollywood Walk of Fame is a neighborhood in what city in California? It'd be the city of Los Angeles which means the angels. They call that the city of angels. And you know what the stars are referred to? Those angels, they're referred to as people, as people. So down here on Earth, everybody understands two things when you're talking about carnal people down here living on the Earth. We know two things. We can look up and we can see a sunbursted planetary object And we can say that's a star. And then we can look at people and we could say, oh, that person is a star. You know where they got that idea? I believe they got it from the the Bible. Because I believe we've got both right here in our Bible. Now, this is all going to make sense uh, concerning the birth of Christ. But look at Job 38 when it says, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? when the morning stars sang together and all of the sons of God shouted for joy. You have stars singing in Genesis chapter number one, and they are not celestial objects. They are angels. And those angels show up before verse 16. Matter of fact, Job 38 tells us, they show up before Genesis 1, verse 2. And they're shouting for joy as God is creating. He said, I don't believe that. You believe in angels? Yes. Well, there they are. They're right in there. Now will go back to Matthew 2 because we need to tie this into Matthew 2. This is important to lay down that foundation in Genesis 1 and Job 38, because in Matthew 2, watch what it says. We'll read some verses here. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, in verse 2, you see where it says, for we have seen his star in the east? Why would Herod be troubled if all he has to do is look up and see a planetary sun-bursted star that hangs down low and then the bottom, and it's shaped like a cross? (laughs) Why would he be troubled? He would see it. Look at verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Herod, why would you have to demand anything from anybody? All you got to do is look up and see that star. Look at verse number five. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of uh, of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And now Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Well, Herod, it shouldn't be that hard. All you've got to do is look up into the sky. If that's a planetary sunburst object. Or. What if it was an angel. That appeared to them. And not Herod. Then that explains. We've got sunbursted objects created in Genesis 1, verse 16. And before God even started creating, there was something else that were referred to as stars, angels, and they were singing praise. In Matthew 2, I really believe you've got yourself an angel that is appearing to them and not Herod. Why are all the pictures and all the tree of angels shown them as females with wings? They're not. And people say, well, angels aren't women, they're men. No, they're not men either. I'm a man. You men here, you're a man. But you know what you've got? When an angel makes an appearance... To mankind, that angel appears as a man. The angel is not a man, but when that angel makes an appearance, it's an angel, but when that angel makes an appearance to man, that angel appears as a man. So we get some understanding of that. Everybody knows what a sword is? You take a sword and Peter wanted to cut off Malchus's ear. Well, everybody took, he took his sword out and went, you know, like that. I don't think he did. It took his, it took his whole arm. off If he swung that thing like a man, which I believe he did. I believe he took his sword out. Now, Bible doesn't tell us he swung that thing like he's going to try to take his head off. Malchus either, he either went like this, lost his ear. You believe in a sword, a real sword? I go to Hebrews. I know you know this verse, but. Let's look at it together anyway. Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4 it is. Hebrews chapter number 4. Look at verse number 12. Bible says for the word of God is quick And powerful and sharper than any what? Two-edged sword. Go to Revelation chapter number one. If you believe that a sword can be something you can take someone's ear off with, a physical sword, and yet we can go to the Bible and see that the word of God is a sword, you see how we have the use of a word put in its biblical context will define what that is. We need to be careful of those things. Look at Revelation chapter number one. Verse number 16, he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. You think God's spitting out planetary sun-bursted objects? And do you think it's a sword like Malchus, or like Peter used to take off Malchus' ear. Now you got the word of God right there. That's what that is. Well, what about, what about, what about those stars? What about those stars? Well, we got to figure that out. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Watch what he says in verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be thereafter. Now watch this in verse 20. This might give us the answer. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches you know what we have the bible defining the bible as these angels as or these stars as angels angels look god created both and just because you might have some pentecostal groups or or some you know groups that are just way out there that make a bigger deal out of angels that they need to make out of them. You can't not talk about this stuff if it's in the Bible. Now, this is going to be important. So let's go back to Matthew 2. Because watch what happens next. This is important concerning the birth of Christ. Verse 2, verse 8. Bible says, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently. It's after Herod calls the wise men, inquired of them, right? We read that. And now he says in verse 8, go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, let me state the obvious. If that was a a little mini planetary sun as the star, when it came down, don't you think the whole village would have been burnt up, plus the people there? (laughs) The whole thing would have been put up in in flames. I mean, I'm not skilled in astronomy at any means, but you start moving stuff closer to the earth that it needs to go, what's going to happen? I would imagine, poof, you're going to have a bit of problem. I'm still a little confused on this. All right, let's go back to Revelation. I want to show you something else. Let's go back to Revelation. Revelation. Every time you see a star, it does not have to mean a planetary object. Look at verse number 9, or or Revelation 9, rather, verse number 1. Watch what it says. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. You say, well, that could just be some type of meteor just falling to the earth. Really? Watch what it says. And to him was given the key of the bottomless. Pit and he opened the bottomless pit How are you going to give a key to a Celestial object You're not going to give a key to a Celestial object but if that star Is an angel guess what you can that Angel's got arms that angel is appearing as a Man you can give that angel You can give that angel a key Verse 6 Watch Revelation 9:6. and in those days Men shall Seek death and shall not find it. Well, I got news for you. <laughs> you're not going to have to seek death if that's a real sun or a little star coming down. You're going to be toast. It's going to burn you up. You're going to be burned up. It's a Matthew twenty-four. It says you're going to endure to the end. Any, uh, any flesh be saved? How are you going to endure to the end if you got a star that comes down and burns everyone up? You're not. Not going to fit in the context of that verse either. Revelation 9, you don't have a ball of fire. you got an angel. And what does this angel do in Matthew 2? Watch what the angel does in Matthew 2. Verse number 9. The star which they saw in the east went before them. So they're, don't, they're done talking with Herod. And that angel. Makes an appearance. And Herod doesn't see it. Nobody sees it. Except those wise men. And they come out of Herod's. And they say. Yo. Come on this way fellas. Okay. Which they saw in the east. Went before them. Till it came and stood over where the young child was. How are they going to find the house? If you've got a sunbursted object that's sitting up there that everybody can see it. Okay, you know the town. And now what? what the, the, that part of that star is going to point right down. Herod and everybody else are going to know exactly where to go. Unless that star is an angel. And what happens is they come out from talking with Herod. They show up. Hey, follow me, guys. They follow him. They stand over the house and they say, hey, by the way, he's right in here. And nobody has to know except who God wanted to know. This is why Herod's so upset. He can't figure out where Jesus is. And I'm telling you. He would have had a a lot easier time if that star was a celestial object just shining bright. You get these manger scenes, they got that big star pointing down. Well, you just get rid of Matthew too, because Herod would have found the place. Unless it's an angel. Unless it's an angel. Watch what it says in Matthew. Oh, well. Have you seen those appearances? They have that luminous appearance when you see baby Jesus. They have them in the manger and they have that luminous appearance over the head. You know where they get that? From this verse. That's where they get it. Now, it's not scriptural. I don't believe it's scriptural. They get it when they define that star as a shining, sunbursted, planetary object. When, in fact, you pray about it, you study it, you think about it. When in fact, I really believe it's an angel. That's why they put Jesus, all these, the, the idol, little dolly idol statues that they make, they put him with this glory glow around his head, referring, it, it's refer. they call it a nimbus. It's, it's Greek mythology, but they get it from taking this verse and resting it to their own destruction. Look at verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Jeremiah 10 says, learn not the way of the heathen. Be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. You know what the signs of heaven are? You know, you've got three heavens. You go back, we, got, we did that lesson way, way earlier in the year. You've got the first heaven. We see the clouds, birds, where they fly. We've got the second heaven. And then we have the third heaven as God's dwelling place. You know what's in the second heaven? Those stars. And you know what the heathen do? They're dismayed at them. And so they look up to that second heaven. And you know what they create? Astrology charts. God tells us not to do that. It's another reason why I really believe it wasn't a celestial object. That was an angel that's being talked about in Matthew Chapter number two, when Saul gets saved, a light shines round about from heaven. And you know what happens to Saul? We all know what happens to him. He falls down to the ground, blinded, blinded. Then he tells, he gives his testimony to King Agrippa. And he says, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. And if this was a star as a sun in Matthew 2, everybody would have been blinded, completely blinded. And the commentators, look, I read the commentaries, I read commentaries all week. When they say that this was a miraculous meteor, I don't believe they're right. I don't believe they're right. You run the verse, this isn't astronomy, this is an angel. And you run the verses in in Genesis 1, Contrast with Job 38, you look at Revelation 1, look at Revelation 9, you can see how God has both. He created something in verse 16, but something was there before he even started creating. What was it? Angels in Job 38. Angels. Look at verse 11. Look at verse number 11. We'll close here. Matthew 2, verse number 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. One of the brothers was telling me this morning... People are trying to find out which churches are open because it's December 25th today. What church would even consider closing its Sunday? It's the first day of the week. Aren't we supposed to gather? Well, I can't. I have my gold and my frankincense and my myrrh to open. (laughs) Wait, I thought it was Jesus' birthday, except it's not. But I'm going to get stuff and I'm not going to give anything to him. What did he get? You know who they're worshiping? Him. That's what the Bible says in Matthew 2.11. Mary and his mother, they fell fell down and they worshiped him. They're not worshiping Mary. They're not worshiping the angel. People make too big of a thing about angels. Why? Because they want something else to worship. It can't be just Jesus Christ and him crucified. It has to be something else. They're not worshiping Mary. They're not worshiping the angels. They're not worshiping the gifts. They're falling down and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know what the problem in American Christianity today is? Nobody wants to bow their knee to Jesus Christ. They want to fight and bicker about everything that they're finding on everybody that they can find. But they won't bow down and worship the Christ. You want to grow in the Lord? Worship him. You want to get more spiritually grounded? Worship him. Don't follow a man. Don't follow me. You don't agree with what I said about the stars and the angel? Fine. Throw it out the window. But stick with the book. My question to you this morning is this. Who do you worship? I don't worship materialism. Let God check your credit card. Ask God to search your heart and your bank, your bank statements. Because from November 25th to December 25th, more money is spent in 30 days than any other time. And most people come into a church house and they think that the offering plate being passed or the or the uh, or the offering box in the back is some type of voodoo. They get too close to it's going to like zap them and they're going to die. Why don't you feel that way when you give AMC $100 on a Saturday to watch some movie that's straight out of the pits of hell? You pay Spectrum Internet $60 a month. You pray some cable company a bunch of money every month to filter in junk. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be, you can't do anything. I'm trying to get you to see that you do a lot of things. And where does the one that you say you love and worship fit in? That's what I'm asking you. They fell down and they worshipped Jesus Christ. You know what we want to do here? Worship Jesus Christ. Worship him. What did he get from you this morning? Did he get a quick rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, God? And then move on with just satisfying ourselves and stuffing our face with food and just eating and, and, and enjoying and going through all of the Things of life that we need to do. But we don't worship him. Do you love God? Do you love him? Today. Like we talked about in the Lord's Supper. I'm asking you. Every moment. Your will. Your lips. Your feet. Your hands. Take my will. Take my feet. Lord, take my hand. Let it be. Consecrate me. Set apart me, Lord, so that I am not bowing down and worshiping materialism, angels, some strange doctrine. But it's you, Lord. It's you. I want to leave you with that. Fall down and worship the capital K King, Jesus.